long history. Sir Walter Raleigh's The Discovery of Guyana. Part 18. The shining glory of this conquest. Welcome once again to Long History and we've made it to the last episode of Sir Walter Raleigh's The Discovery of Guyana. For any new listeners, this is the place where we take source documents from history and split them up into chunks of around 10 minutes. And Sir Walter Raleigh himself wrote this document and it's about his search for the legendary El Dorado. Now this is the last episode of an 18 part series and there's lots to explore in this document. As Raleigh gives us the history of explorations of the area, he gives us the reasons why he's chosen to take this journey, and he's gone out of his way to answer critics who've suggested that he didn't actually find that much in his journey up the Orinoco. So I'm sure those episodes are just a few taps and clicks away, and we'll be starting another document soon, so don't forget to subscribe. Now we're wrapping up this document here, but there's plenty of other documents to explore on Long History covering events such as the early exploration of the Americas and the colonisation of the Philippines and many more. Back to today's episode however, and as we said this is the final episode of Sir Walter Raleigh's somewhat exaggerated account of his journey to Guyana. As we read this episode, the purpose of this document as a whole becomes even more clear. Raleigh is making his case for the wealth of the area, promising Queen Elizabeth great wealth if she should choose to take on the simple task of conquering the area. As this final episode begins, Raleigh starts to make his case. This is Sir Walter Raleigh's The Discovery of Guyana, Part 18, The Shining Glory of This Conquest. For the rest, which myself have seen, I will promise these things that follow, which I know to be true. Those that are desirous to discover and to see many nations may be satisfied within this river which bringeth forth so many arms and branches, leading to several countries and provinces, above 2,000 miles east and west, and 800 miles north and south, and of these the most either rich in gold or in other merchandises. The common soldier shall here fight for gold, and pay himself, instead of pence, with plates of half a foot broad, whereas he breaketh his bones in other wars for provence and penury. Those commanders and chieftains that shoot at honour and abundance shall find there more rich and beautiful cities, more temples adorned with golden images, more sepulchres filled with treasure than either Cortes found in Mexico or Pizarro in Peru. And the shining glory of this conquest will eclipse all those so far extended beams of the Spanish nation. There is no country which yieldeth more pleasure to the inhabitants, either for those common delights of hunting, hawking, fishing, fowling and the rest, than Guyana doth. It hath so many plains, clear rivers and abundance of pheasants, partridges, quails, rails, cranes, herons and all other fowl, deer of all sorts, hares, lions, tigers, leopards and diverse other sorts of beasts, either for chase or food. It hath a kind of beast called kama or anta, tapir, as big as an English beef, and in great plenty. To speak of the several sorts of every kind, I fear would be troublesome to the reader, and therefore I will omit them, and conclude that both for health, good air, pleasure and riches, I am resolved it cannot be equalled by any region, either in the east or west, Moreover, the country is so healthful, as of an hundred persons and more, which lay without shift most sluttishly, 
and were every day almost melted with heat in rowing and marching, and suddenly wet again with great showers, and did eat of all sorts of corrupt fruits, and made meals of fresh fish without seasoning, of tortugas, of lagartos, or crocodiles, and of all sorts, good and bad, without either order or measure, and besides lodged in the open air every night, we lost not any one, nor had one ill-disposed to my knowledge, nor found any calentura, or other of those pestilent diseases which dwell in all hot regions, and so near the equinoctial line. Where there is store of gold, it is in effect needless to remember other commodities for trade, but it hath, towards the south part of the river, great quantities of Brazil wood, and diverse berries that dye a most perfect crimson and carnation, and for painting, all France, Italy, or the East Indies yield none such, for the more the skin is washed, the fairer the colour appeareth, and with which even those brown and tawny women spot themselves and colour their cheeks. All places yield abundance of cotton, of silk, of balsamon, and of those kinds most excellent and never known in Europe, of all sorts of gums, of Indian pepper, and what else the countries may afford within the land we know not, neither had we time to abide the trial and search. The soil besides is so excellent and so full of rivers, as it will carry sugar, ginger, and all those other commodities which the West Indies have. The navigation is short, for it may be sailed with an ordinary wind in six weeks, and in the like time back again. And by the way, neither lee shore, enemy's coast, rocks nor sands, all which in the voyages to the West Indies, and all other places we are subject unto, as the channel of Bahama, coming from the West Indies, cannot well be passed in the winter, and when it is at the best, it is a perilous and a fearful place. The rest of the Indies for calms and diseases very troublesome, and the sea about the Bermudas a hellish sea for thunder, lightning and storms. This very year, 1595, there were 17 sail of Spanish ships lost in the channel of Bahama, and the great Philip, like to have sunk at the Bermudas, was put back to San Juan de Puerto Rico, and so it falleth out in that navigation every year for the most part, which in this voyage are not to be feared for the time of year to leave England is best in July, and the summer in Guyana is in October, November, December, January, February and March, and then the ships may depart thence in April, and so return again into England in June, so as they shall never be subject to winter weather, either coming, going or staying there, which, for my part, I take to be one of the greatest comforts and encouragements that can be thought on, having, as I have done, tasted in this voyage by the West Indies so many calms, so much heat, such outrageous gusts, such weather and contrary winds. To conclude, Guyana is a country that hath yet her maidenhead, never sacked, turned, nor wrought, the face of the earth hath not been torn, nor the virtue and salt of the soil spent by manurance, the graves have not been opened for gold, the mines not broken with sledges, nor their images pulled down out of their temples. It hath never been entered by any army of strength, and never conquered or possessed by any Christian prince. 
It is besides so defensible that if two forts be builded in one of the provinces which I have seen, the flood setteth in so near the bank, where the channel also lieth, that no ship can pass up but within a pike's length of the artillery, first of the one and afterwards of the other, which two forts will be a sufficient guard both to the empire of Inga and to an hundred other several kingdoms lying within the said river, even to the city of Quito in Peru. There is therefore great difference between the easiness of the conquest of Guyana and the defence of it being conquered, and the West or East Indies. Guyana hath but one entrance by the sea, if it hath that for any vessels of burden. So as, whosoever shall first possess it, it shall be found unaccessible for any enemy, except he come in wherries, barges or canoes, or else in flat-bottomed boats. And if he do offer to enter it in that manner, the woods are so thick two hundred miles together upon the rivers of such entrance, as a mouse cannot sit in a boat unhid from the bank. By land it is more impossible to approach, for it hath the strongest situation of any region under the sun, and it is so environed with impassable mountains on every side, as it is impossible to victual any company in the passage, which hath been well proved by the Spanish nation, who since the conquest of Peru have never left five years free from attempting this empire, or discovering some way into it, and yet, of three and twenty several gentlemen, knights and noblemen, there was never any that knew which way to lead an army by land, or to conduct ships by sea, anything near the said country. Orellana, of whom the river of Amazons taketh name, was the first, and Don Antonio de Berrio, whom we displanted the last. And I doubt much whether he himself, or any of his, yet know the best way into the said empire. It can therefore hardly be regained, if any strength be formally set down, but in one or two places, and but two or three crumpsters or galleys, built and furnished upon the river within. The West Indies have many ports, watering places and landings, and nearer than three hundred miles to Guyana, no man can harbour a ship, except he know only one place, which is not learned in haste, and which I will undertake, there is not any one of my companies that knoweth, whosoever hearkened most after it. Besides, by keeping one good fort or building one town of strength, the whole empire is guarded, and whatsoever companies shall be afterwards planted within the land, although in twenty several provinces, those shall be able all to reunite themselves upon any occasion, either by the way of one river, or be able to march by land without either wood, bog or mountain. Whereas in the West Indies there are few towns or provinces that can succour or relieve one the other by land or sea. By land the countries are either desert, mountainous or strong enemies. By sea, if any man invade to the eastward, those to the west cannot in many months turn against the breeze and eastern wind. Besides, the Spaniards are therein so dispersed as they are nowhere strong, but in Nueva España only. The sharp mountains, the thorns and poisoned prickles, the sandy and deep ways in the valleys, the smothering heat and air, and want of water in other places, are their only and best defence. Which, because those nations that invade them are not victualled or provided to stay, neither have any place to friend adjoining, 
do serve them instead of good arms and great multitudes. The West Indies were first offered Her Majesty's grandfather by Columbus, a stranger in whom there might be doubt of deceit, and besides it was then thought incredible that there were such and so many lands and regions never written of before. This empire is made known to Her Majesty by her own vassal, and by him that oweth to her more duty than any ordinary subject, so that it shall ill sort with many graces and benefits which I have received to abuse Her Highness, either with fables or imaginations. The country is already discovered, many nations won to Her Majesty's love and obedience, and those Spaniards which have latest and longest laboured about the conquest, beaten out, discouraged and disgraced, which among these nations were thought invincible. Her Majesty may in this enterprise employ all those soldiers and gentlemen that are younger brethren, and all captains and chieftains that want employment, and the charge will be only the first setting out in victualling and arming them. For after the first or second year, I doubt not but to see in London a contractation house. The whole trade of Spanish America passed through the Casa de Contratación at Seville, of more receipt for Guyana than there is now in Seville for the West Indies. And I am resolved that if there were but a small army afoot in Guyana, marching towards Manoa, the chief city of Inga, he would yield to Her Majesty, by composition, so many hundred thousand pounds yearly, as should both defend all enemies abroad, and defray all expenses at home, and that he would besides pay a garrison of three or four thousand soldiers very royally to defend him against other nations. For he cannot but know how his predecessors, yea, how his own great-uncles Guascar and Atabalipa, sons to Guyana Capac, Emperor of Peru, were, while they contended for the empire, beaten out by the Spaniards, and that both of late years, and ever since the said conquest, the Spaniards have sought the passages and entry of his country. And of their cruelties used to the borderers he cannot be ignorant. In which respects, no doubt, he will be brought to tribute with great gladness. If not, he hath neither shot nor iron weapon in all his empire, and therefore may easily be conquered. And I further remember that Berrio confessed to me and others, which I protest before the majesty of God to be true, that there was, found among the prophecies of Peru, at such time as the empire was reduced to the Spanish obedience, in their chiefest temples, amongst diverse others which foreshadowed the loss of the said empire, that, from Inglaterra, those Ingas, should be again in time to come restored and delivered from the servitude of the said conquerors. And I hope, as we with these few hands have displanted the first garrison and driven them out of the said country, so Her Majesty will give order for the rest and either defend it and hold it as tributary or conquer and keep it as empress of the same. For whatsoever prince shall possess it shall be greatest and if the King of Spain enjoy it, he will become unresistible. Her Majesty hereby shall confirm and strengthen the opinions of all nations as touching her great and princely actions. And where the south border of Guyana reacheth to the dominion and empire of the Amazons, those women shall hereby hear the name of a virgin which is not only able to defend her own territories and her neighbours, 
but also to invade and conquer so great empires and so far removed. And to speak more at this time, I fear, would be but troublesome. I trust in God, this being true, will suffice, and that he which is king of all kings and lord of lords will put it into her heart, which is lady of ladies, to possess it. If not, I will judge those men worthy to be kings thereof, that by her grace and leave will undertake it of themselves. Well, that's quite a florid ending to quite an eccentric story. And as Raleigh ends this case for conquest of the South American continent, he lapses into fantasy once again as he ends his account, saying that there are even prophecies that the English will come to help the Ingas to restore their empire. Any English person in particular will understand one of the strongest reasons given by Raleigh to conquer South America when he points out that the summer in Guyana is in October, November, December, January, February and March. So it means that anyone who goes to Guyana can avoid the British winter, which <laughs> sounds good to me. Now he makes his argument strongly, but nevertheless there's a lack of substance there. And I suppose if the best argument you can give for conquering an area is to avoid your own winter, if you have to make that kind of argument, it's becoming a little bit strained. There's one interesting quote here that Raleigh says, so that it shall ill sort with the many graces and benefits which I have received to abuse Her Highness, either with fables or imaginations. So Raleigh's insisting once again here that everything he says is true, but within the next few sentences he starts talking about the Amazonian women again, saying how much the Queen will like these Amazonian women. So we can see as we come to the end of this document that there wasn't really much journey especially when we compare this adventure to the voyages of Columbus and Magellan and even Francis Drake. Nevertheless, it's full of adventure, a little bit of fantasy, and Raleigh's strong case for conquering the area. And I think Raleigh did eventually go back to the area, but perhaps there is a sense that, despite the buccaneering spirit of this document, it was never followed through. And perhaps Elizabeth was pleased to read a document that flattered her so much but could ultimately read between the lines. So that's the last episode of Sir Walter Raleigh's The Discovery of Guyana. For those of you who've made it through the full series, well done. It's interesting to follow these journeys. Going through these episodes is a bit of a journey in itself. But one thing I'd perhaps say here is that if you're interested, it's kind of worth going back to listen to those introductory episodes. There was a lot of information in those introductions, a lot of people, a lot of foretelling, shall we say that you couldn't really know what he was talking about until you knew the whole document. So some of the introduction which kind of made no sense to me at all at the beginning, now, having listened to it again, does make a bit more sense. But that's it for this episode. Thanks again for listening. As often happens with a long document, we'll have a couple of short episodes before we start another historic adventure. In the meantime, thank you for listening to Sir Walter Raleigh's The Discovery of Guyana. Part 18. The Shining Glory of This Conquest. Goodbye.